Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Football Social Daily, Premier League Review. Hello, I'm Jim Salverson and this is Football Social Daily, the first full show of 2020. We're going to be here throughout the year making sure you have all the latest Premier League news whenever you want it. And it's a happy new year to you and a happy new year to Marley Anderson. Hello. And to Ant McGinley. Hootmanani. That, well, that doesn't actually mean Happy New Year, does it? I, I don't, is it Isn't that just the name of, just basically name-checked a television show? <laughs> <laughs> which, which is recorded, like a, which I, I thought everybody knew, which is recorded like two weeks before. Yeah. Um, and I, I was telling my mum and dad about this and they were shocked and upset because it's their tradition to watch it. It's essentially you just came in and shouted, News night! <laughs> so like, incidentally, I was watching the New Year Bake Off, so British Bake Off, the New Year version. Which You're so were, rock and roll. They were pretending it was Christmas yesterday. Oh, with it the was, Irish girls. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Girls. it was very good, but yeah. it was bright sunshine outside. You could tell it was summer. So they clearly <laughs> filmed it in the middle of summer. Shall we talk about some football? Yay. Go on, then. Yeah. Yeah. Let's make lost. this the year of the review as well. So if you like this podcast and you want to let us know that you like it or you want to make a point about anything, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or CastBox or however it is you listen to your shows and you can tell us what you think and you might get a name check on the podcast as well. Today, we're going to be talking Manchester United, who are really proving the old maxim at the moment, hated, adored, but never ignored. Events on and off the pitch, causing some fans concern right now. David Moyes, he's off to winning ways at West Ham. He put four, well, he didn't. His players put four past Bournemouth in the club's biggest win since 2007, which was against Derby County, by the way, 5-0. How much credit does David Moyes deserve for that victory? And it's January the 1st, which means the transfer window has crashed open. Everyone loves a bit of transfer gossip, so we're going to give you exactly what you crave shortly. Some tasty gossip morsels coming up towards the end of the podcast. But first, let's start with Manchester United, who met a newly (coughs) Mikel Arteta-inspired Arsenal and came up wanting. Before we talk about the circus that is Manchester United and the clown that is Paul Pogba at the centre of that circus, let's cover off the game because it was an impressive performance from Arsenal. Yes, Manchester United were lacklustre, but Mikel Arteta seems to be having a little bit of an effect at the Emirates. He does. Um, in his first game, they weren't quite weren't quite there, um, but against Man United, there were there was a lot more energy and a lot more. High pressing and a lot more tempo to the game. Um, and I they, was really impressed with the pressing. They got actually. everything right. And it was yeah. everyone was pressing, even yeah. like Aubameyang, who you associate with not being that willing to track back. Messer Özil, yeah, was pressing and tackling. It was a, a different Arsenal to the one we're used to. Yeah, I, I read a, a stat on on Twitter that said that he he had the most ground covered and eleven point five four kilometers. Yeah, it's madness that. Considering you only ever see him sort of jogging and, and walking he I don't know where he's covering these mm. these yards but yeah he's uh, he's if he's going to have a future he needs to keep that up because there's no everyone knows that there's no doubt that he's a, he's world class when he's on his game but wh- when is he on his game um if Arteta could get the best out of him then they've got a, a very strong chance of finishing in the top 4 
Yeah, I wonder if you might see something similar with Aubameyang um, to what you saw with Pep and Aguero, because that was one of the things when a, a, a Pep came into City, mm. is there was a lots of talk about Aguero not being happy, Aguero maybe moving on early, and... The, what it came down to was Pep wanting him to work more, wanting the whole mm. team to work more and run back. And Aguero did not like that. He really did. It was not the way he was used to playing. It's not what he wanted yeah. to do. And yet the transformation that has had on him has been remarkable. And so, I mean, he was already, you know, like Aubameyang, who was a class player to begin with. He's just added that extra dimension to his game. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if, if you can do that with Aubameyang, brilliant. I mean, that is the easy thing to get your players to do, isn't it? If you're a manager going in, the kind of quick fix that's above anything deep, deeper tactical mm. is get your players to work harder, get your players to press everywhere on the pitch. Yeah, and and that, that seems to be a quick fix, and that's what new managers have straight away. You look at look at Arsenal, look at Watford, look at West Ham over the uh, over the course of this past couple of weeks. Look at Everton under Ancelotti; they've mm. won uh, two out of the first three games. It's it's just that immediate bounce. Um, but Arteta should have the the tactical nous as well to, to back that up. Is that just a cliche though? Because you always hear this thing that managers come in and go, we're going to work on the fitness, we're going to get them more passionate going for it. And when really actually do managers towards the end of their tether, do they forget to get the players to run? Do they forget to get them to go to the gym and do their fitness? So I, I, I don't understand how that happens. I think it's, it's just like, a fresh start, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's like a relationship, isn't it? Yeah. When you're four years, five years into a relationship, you, you don't worry about dressing well or washing or, or <laughs> but being as nice soon as somebody new turns explains a lot about you, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Do we think it's too early to call that Arteta will be a success? I mean, it is dead early days, but the no. signs are there. It looks promising. And you'd like, so we've got these players pressing over the pitch. Pepe, I think, was one of the most telling signs. He was great was, to watch. Exactly. And he's been so once, disappointing yeah. since he came to Arsenal amongst this massive hype when he came over from the Bundesliga. And he was inspired yesterday. He seemed to be a completely different player. Yeah, from France. France, sorry. France. Getting, getting his European cities mixed up. Uh, countries <laughs> Doesn't matter now. Now Brexit's happening. <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> it's just over there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Somewhere over there. And foreign lot. Yeah. Um, no, Pepe was great. Um, he was made to look even better by an absolutely terrible Luke Shaw, though. Yeah. Um, I've never seen... Like I, We all know Pepe's got ability, but... When you get rinsed that badly as a fullback, as as a top, you know, top six side who want to be in the top six, you can't have a, a left back putting in games like that against a decent winger because there's a lot of decent wingers in the Premier League and he got absolutely turned inside out by him. Luke but Shaw's Pepe done at great. United, isn't he? Yeah, surely he's finished. He should be. People. People talk about Man United's defence and they talk about, oh, Maguire hasn't been that good. Well, Maguire and Wan-Bissaka have been decent. Mm. Lindelof is a problem and Luke Shaw is an even bigger problem because that side of the defence, uh, Shaw, well, Shaw on the left and Lindelof as a right centre-back, they're, they're awful. Let's start laying into Manchester United as we've <laughs> begun already. I think we had... <laughs> but, no, going back to um, Mikel Arte, I'm positive he'll be... He'll be a very good manager. Mm. Yeah, I, I think already you've seen, seen a change. And what was really nice was considering that they threw away the game against Chelsea, um, there didn't seem to be any anti sense of anti-feeling towards him at the Emirates, which wouldn't surprise us, let's be honest, the way that a whole Arsenal game. have been. <laughs> before <laughs> no, but, things but, turned wrong. But is, I mean, like he, he's three games in and he, he, he's lost, he's drawn and he's won, mm. right? So basically... All, all he's got to do now is um, have the planes overhead going Arteta in and out, and then he's had the full Arsenal experience. But the, I think the fans really appreciated. There was a sense in the, in the stadium. You could see that from the stuff on social media as well, and you could hear that in, in the atmosphere in the, in, in the game as well. I think that people believe in him and I think that was the problem with it's part of the ex-player thing, isn't it? Yeah. It gives you that little bit of. I mean, not that he should. We should be talking about extra time, but you're right. At Arsenal, things can go south pretty bloody yeah, quickly. Yeah. And the thing was, what happened with Wenger was, he, he was a lot of people felt that he'd overstayed his time. Whether they liked him or they, or they didn't, they felt that he'd been there too long and it'd worn off. The magic had gone. Not everybody bought into Emery when he came there, and very quickly it turned sour with that. Whereas with Arteta, yes, he's got no experience until now. This is remember that he's only had three games as a manager, mm. and he's younger than. Everyone except Marley in this room, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yet... How old is he? He's 30, 
34, maybe? Is that it? Yeah. yeah, just something, something like ridiculous. That, yeah. He yeah, could he, still be playing. Yeah, he could. Um, he, he might actually be a little bit older than that. But the thing is, he's. I think people respect him, at what he did as a player. And also, he, he's worked very closely with, with Guardiola as well. And he's brought something to him. I think you saw that, for me, it wasn't Pepe. It was Ozil. It was the performances that you've got out of Ozil in the last couple of days. Like, I mean, we've done it ourselves on the on this podcast. We've slated Ozil with uh, time and time again. He's not the player he was. We shouldn't be there, whatever. He looks like a brand new signing since Arteta came in. And I think whatever happens with him, and he's had other problems off-field or whatever, I think if he can do that with Ozil, it's very exciting for what he could do with Arsenal as a whole. 37, by the way, Mikel Arteta. Oh. Very impressive hair for a 37-year-old. Very impressive. Hair. I noticed that there's not there's not one grey hair on his head. No, not and yet. I know 37 is still fairly like young to to be having grey hair, but after a couple of seasons, I reckon half of his head's gonna be silver. <laughs> I don't know. I reckon he lifts it on and off as like a. I reckon he's bald <laughs> like Pep. It's perfect. It's just like it? it's like a Lego <laughs> <laughs> hair piece that goes on top. Uh, let is let's have a bit of a slag off of Manchester United because they did look absolutely terrible. I mean. Part of Arsenal looking so impressive was how lacklustre Manchester United looked in that game. See, I don't understand this because part of my theory with United this season has been they turn it on for the big games and then they're slipping up in the small games. We saw them play brilliantly against Tottenham. We saw them play just the same against um, against City when, when they played City off the park, to be honest. Uh, and then even against Newcastle. Um, on, on the Boxing Day fixture, mm-hmm. you know they started off uh, terribly, but then really turned it on. And so Arsenal traditionally, this was the big game, Man United against Arsenal, and they just—it was just like they weren't there. They're just erratic though this season. They haven't won more than three in a row. Haven't won more. Haven't won three in a row. So haven't won more than two in a row. And they just look desperately short all over the pitch. Yeah, when they're—it's like uh, it's one thing or the other, isn't it? They're either brilliant or they're terrible. There's no. Doesn't seem to be any middle ground. Um, I watched. I went to the game uh, on Boxing Day when when Man United played Newcastle, and for the first twenty minutes, Newcastle were all over them. Their 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 tactics worked way better. They sat deep, soaked them up, and took advantage of them not having a uh, a real cutting edge, and then picked them off. Could have been two nil up, were one nil up, um, and then something just switched. With Newcastle got complacent conceded the equaliser and then it was it was just like a, a, a switch had flicked with Man United they they just clicked and they got they got uh, four goals without reply good goals as well and it was like well if this Man United is a very good team very hard to deal with with Martial Rashford and Greenwood coming at you from three different uh, you know from left right and centre that's hard to deal mm. with so it's just the the defense is is poor. They can't rely on the defense to set up the attacks, and they haven't got the transition in midfield. They haven't got enough creativity in there. I think, I think that's Matic it, played against Arsenal as well. Matic and Fred in the middle against yeah. Arsenal, which isn't a Fred for Fred's been quite good. Did you see recently, his free kick? But he's free kick. Yeah, he's <laughs> free kick nearly hit our office, and we're in Manchester. <laughs> I think. I mean, they 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 never really replaced Herrera, and yeah. never really replaced Fellaini. And those are yeah. two maligned players at Manchester United. But if you're losing players like that, you need to bring someone in to replace it. And it looks, to all intents and purposes, like they will probably end up losing Paul Pogba now as well. Mm. So they do need a bit of quality in midfield. Yeah. yeah. So if you're talking about people they've never really replaced, there's only one person they haven't really replaced, and that's Ferguson. Yeah. <laughs> and, that's because, and, and this came out more than anything else to me. In the post-match comments, the interview with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer when he was asked about Pogba, mm. and, and and I may be paraphrasing slightly here, but uh, he said um, his people have advised him to undergo that he needs an operation. Mm. The manager of Manchester United, when speaking about one of his players, said his people mm. have advised him. I think that was much more to do. I don't think that's a. I don't think that's weakness on Solskjaer's part. That was a very deliberate comment. Mm, that yeah. from Solskjaer calling out Paul Pogba, and you're right by saying his people need advising to have an operation. Since when do someone's people advise them to have an operation? Again, an operation isn't necessary. Yeah. It's an operation that's advised. Can it could happen at the end of the season? We'll put him out for four weeks, which essentially probably means he'll leave in January and won't play for Manchester United again. Yeah. And I think. That's more an indication of Paul Pogba than it is of Solskjaer and the Paul Pogba's complete 
lack of respect for that football club, lack of respect for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, lack of respect for Manchester United fans than it is anything else. It was just over a year ago that Mourinho was rumoured to have referred to Pogba as a virus. Mm. And uh, that seems to have come true, like a lot mm. of things that he predicted. Surely, I think yeah. it's time to for Manchester United just to say, we've had enough of this and get rid of him. And get the whatever you'd get for him now in the current market, probably 70 million, something like that, he'd probably go for. But if there is someone who's interested, be it a return to Juventus, be it Real Madrid fancying bringing him in, I'm sure Raiola can bring up some transfer from somewhere. But just get rid and use that money to invest in midfielders who want to be at the football club. Yeah, maybe. Um, there needs to be a decision made on him, doesn't there? Because it can't go on like this. I think with um, at the weekend... Uh, sorry, yesterday when uh, Solskjaer was talking about him in the in the uh, post-match press conference, when he was asked about him, he, it was there was like an out, like a an outpouring of breath, like a sort of like a roll of the eyes kind yeah, of yeah. thing. And he said his people said that, and then obviously, as you said, it was very deliberate. Everyone knows that Pogba's sort of internal team can distract him, and is a is sort of an, an abrasive character in terms of like a disruptive character, mm. in terms of like how big he sees himself. And it's all about sort of him rather than the team he's playing for. Um, Which is fine if you're performing. And if, if you're yeah. an Ibrahimovic, yeah. or if you're a, even like uh, West Ham as an example, Dimitri Payet was a disruptive influence in the dressing room. Yeah, so you've but got you to... forgive him when he's pinging in free kicks from 35 yards every single game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I see it as kind of similar to Ozil, the Ozil situation at Arsenal. Mm. Like, if you, there's no doubt that the that Man United are better with Paul Pogba in it. That 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 team is better with a fully functioning Paul Pogba playing for them. However, is it worth it? It's to be honest, it's it's probably not. So when you're looking at rebuilding, which Man United need to do, and you've got um, a 75, 80, 90 million pound player sat there, and you can maybe buy two players for the price of him then why not? Really interesting interview with Raiola in an Italian newspaper over the weekend as well. He said Paul Pogba was happy at Manchester United, but then he went on to say that he wouldn't let any of his players sign for Manchester United in the future. And he said they have the ability (coughs) to ruin anyone. And he said they would ruin Maradona, Pelé and Maldini. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. That's that's Raiola all over. But when you look at Harry Maguire, he's kind of got a point on one hand. They can ruin a player. But on the other hand, I mean... You can play my, um, Harry Maguire to Paolo yeah. Maldini just then. <laughs> I, I, wow. I think what United this, need this to do... This podcast is sponsored yeah. by Harry Maguire. Um, you, you, two things United need to do. One, not buy a player that's represented by Raiola anyway. Yeah, exactly. If you're a fan, and, you're going, I don't care. I don't want any of your players. Uh, and secondly as well, I think what United need to do is not go out and buy a big money, big name player. They don't need to do that. They just need to get players in that will do a job and do it well. Like what they've done with Daniel James is brilliant. Yeah. Mm. They need... They, for me, they should go and buy someone like Hakim Ziyech at Ajax. Oh wow! They've just gone out the Premier. They've just gone out the Champions League. It, they need a number ten. They need someone creative. He's got a mint left foot. He's 25, 24, 25. I, I, I think as well. He He's was, a ridiculous player. He, he was possibly. Go and get him. He, like he was overlooked with the likes of De Jong and everybody else, and that. And I think yeah, he, he was. was probably the best player in the team. Yeah, him and Tadic. I mean, Tadic is like 33, 34, So obviously, don't go and buy him, but. I don't know. Maybe, Go and maybe, buy Zayek. maybe buy him Simple on a free and give him five hundred thousand a week. <laughs> maybe, yeah. <laughs> Let's move on from Manchester United. Let's talk about the more important United, and that's West Ham United. Uh, David Moyes got off to a perfect start as the new manager of West Ham. Four 0 win over Bournemouth. David Moyes said after the game, he can't take the credit for the emphatic victory. Can we give him the credit? How much impact do we think he has? Because from a West Ham fan point of view, David Moyes has had two games in charge, two days in charge of training before. The game. There's not a lot you can do in that period. I imagine there's a rest day or a half day's training or something involved in that when you're building up for a game anyway. But it was a very different West Ham team that took to the pitch against Bournemouth and we've seen this season. Yeah. Um maybe they all remember his his training techniques from a year ago. <laughs> maybe they're all like, Oh, easy, we'll we'll put the cones in this formation and we'll do this. Um no, but they were they were good. West Ham, it was it was similar to that. That bounce you get, there was more energy in the performance. There was sort of new ideas. People were playing to the near the you know the top of their ability. Haller's goal was absolutely amazing. Mm. Yeah, one of um, three bicycle kicks yesterday as yeah. well, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think Haller's got 
four goals this season or something, and two of them have been acrobatic, amazing, weird flicks for a six he's foot got three. A, he's lump. got a finish on him. Yeah, he's 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 a, he's a top top player, uh, top player Haller. I really like him. Um, but you need to you you guys West Ham need to get the best out of him mm. because he's West Ham have struggled for a striker for years. They've got one there. That's what they need to they need to harness his play to his strengths, get people around him. And if Moyes can do that, then West Ham could could finish sort of towards the top ten. Well, that's it. He's looked incredibly isolated all season since the first. Well, since the the last Bournemouth game, actually, that was two two. Yeah. When West Ham were flying up until that point, he's looked massively isolated. But yesterday, there seemed to be uh, just an impetus to get forward. Mm. And some of that came from Mark Noble, which always worries me when you're relying on Mark Noble to kind of lift the team and get a performance. But it happens so regularly at West Ham because yeah. I mean. It's 2020. Mark Noble's getting on for getting closer and closer to retirement. We shouldn't be re- relying on him to lift the team and lift the stadium. But there, there was a better just attitude mm-hmm. about the team. And what I thought was interesting was Moyes said after the game, he said he just told him to keep it simple. He said, just do the things that you need to do. Yeah. And it seemed to have worked. The other thing I thought was brilliant that he said is the way he got a performance out of um, Anderson was he reminded him he was Brazilian. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a little bit like cultural misappropriation, borderline racism? (laughs) Apparently just said, yeah, you're Brazilian, you should score goals and you should excite people. (laughs) And that was enough, that's all it needed. It reminds me a little bit when I used to play American football at university and there was an American kid came over and we're like, oh my God, and he was like, he started training with us. We were like, this is going to be brilliant. And he was awful. <laughs> and, and and you kind of realise, then it dawns on you, well, if he was any good, he would have stayed in America and, <laughs> and gone to the NFL. I mean, we can give West Ham some credit for the 4-0, and you have to give West Ham some credit for the 4-0. Let's not get overexcited. Let's not get carried away, because Bournemouth were bloody awful. Yeah. Bournemouth, Bournemouth were in big trouble. Yeah. Since they beat Chelsea last month, they've got just one point in four games. Mm. One win in ten as um, well, which is a ridiculous... Statistic, and they're now in the bottom three. They're dropping fast, and it's difficult. Yeah, they've had injuries. Yeah, they've had fitness concerns, (coughs) but it's really difficult to see how Eddie Howe's going to turn that around now. Well, the thing is, he doesn't seem phased by it at all. He seems just not smiley. He doesn't seem stressed. He doesn't seem um, on edge like we've seen other managers, like Pellegrini look terrible, and we've seen it with Marco Silva towards the end as well. Uh, yeah. But Eddie Howe doesn't seem phased. I, I I don't know how he's staying so chilled. I mean, you were just saying about Mikel Arteta, right? Mm. Mikel Arteta's only been in for three games. Of course, he's not getting any grey hairs. Right? Eddie Howe's been there in the Premier League, having taken them up for five years. Compare him to any other manager in the Premier League. I mean, look at what it's done to Mourinho. Look at what it's done to David Moyes on the other bench there as well. Like The Premier League is a stressful place to be in. But I was just struck by watching the post-match press conference last night with Eddie Howe. I was like, his hair looks great. <laughs> and he just, he looks like he could be a L'Oreal poster boy. He doesn't seem stressed. He doesn't seem upset. And I wonder if that's because he's got safety and security at Bournemouth. And Bournemouth like, look, this is great. Whatever happens, we're doing good things. We're in a good place. It's part of his thing, Eddie Howe, though, isn't it? It's like he he gives the most boring post-match interviews of any manager because he right. just never says anything of any interest whatsoever. It's all kind of... It's like um, a duck on top of the water. Everything's serene while the legs are frantically moving underneath. It's just... Mm. there. It's cards close to his chest kind of scenario. But I do wonder how safe he is at Bournemouth well, and whether that's part of the issue because of what he's achieved with that football club. It feels like it would be very difficult for the club to sack him. Yet, when you look at the recent record, as I said, one win in ten, whatever you said, one point in the last four, four, it does look like maybe they're getting towards needing to make a change. And that will only happen if he steps away, potentially. This is him moving into his eighth year now at Bournemouth and his his second time with the club as well. Obviously, he was there as a player, so he's got a bit of legend status. He came back when they were in League One, took them up to the Championship, and then obviously got them promoted to the Premier League. And he's kept them there comfortably. And so it's a bit of a shock, actually, that they've fallen into the relegation zone. Only just. They're yeah. only just in it. They're point either side. Um, so it's not disaster. We're not talking about Norwich-style kind of uh, standards here. And they've got the playing squad. They've got the team. They've got the uh, ability to get through it. And they've well, been have they? before. We were talking about this in the podcast just before the new year when we were previewing these games. We talked about the recruitment at Bournemouth and how poor it's been. And Dominic Solanke hit the post against West Ham. He hasn't scored in a calendar year now, which is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It's just they haven't bought particularly well. Well, when you look at, uh, I'm going to talk about him in a minute, when you look at 
um, players that Liverpool have let go up front, um, maybe that they're wishing that they'd gone for Danny Ings now instead of uh, of a Solanke. Um, I, I think yes, but even still within the squad, the players that you've got, Wilson hasn't been firing, you know, and that that has been a a source that's covered a lot of cracks for them for a while, and I think he's gone maybe fifteen games or something ridiculous now without scoring, which has been a big impact. Remember, it's only this time last year when they were talking of him going to Chelsea, yeah, um, mm. and forty fifty million bids coming in for that. Uh, maybe that boat has sailed. Maybe he's he's not proved to be the player that people thought he was, um, but there is there is still. Maybe maybe we've got got comfortable with it as well. Maybe it's just got to the thing we thought. Well, Bournemouth will be all right. Yeah, you kind of forget about them a bit, don't you? Because they they they're bad away from home and then they're good at home and then they kind of sort of save themselves a bit. But I was thinking about this last night and um, Eddie Howe. If if they sack him or if he walks away, I don't. He'll he'll just walk into a bigger club. He'll mm. get another chance at a bigger club because of what he's done. It wasn't that Previously. long ago he was being linked with Arsenal. Yeah, he was being linked with Arsenal. He was being linked with Everton, and it, he was asked in a press conference. But wasn't conference, linked with either of them this time, really? What? It, there when, was nothing serious like no, linking him this time. No, but he was just like one of the sort of names banded about a bit when when no one really knew what was going to happen at Everton. He was like, "Oh, what about Eddie Howe?" And then some people were saying, "You know, he could be." A sort of an outside shot for it, um, but that's like it's a tough one for Bournemouth because he will get a better job than Bournemouth. Yeah, yeah. He could easily walk into a mid-table team like let's say I don't know Crystal Palace. Uh, get rid of Roy Hodgson when, once he gets too old. He he could walk in there easy. He could walk. Oh, Bournemouth he could, fans will he not could like go say Crystal Palace is a better job than Bournemouth. Well, it, well, if Bournemouth <laughs> go down, it could be. But yeah. then again, where did Bournemouth go from? From Eddie Howe because nobody outside England knows Bournemouth, so you couldn't really get a go and big go and get a big name foreign manager. You'd be fishing in the normal pool that contains the likes of Chris Hooten. It stinks and... of Mark Hughes. Yeah, Mark Hughes <laughs> oh, no. stinks of Mark Imagine Hughes. Imagine that. Well, that's a know, backward the, step. The, Everyone the, agrees the, that Hughes te- how to Hughes would be a backward step. There's, there's been a lot of talk that Guardiola may leave City at the end of the season. So Guardiola the vitality. <laughs> Guardiola, yeah, that would be. Something. Grew up in Barcelona, likes the coast. Yeah, I can see it happening. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> nailed on. Right, we're going to take a little break now. We'll come back and talk about a few of the other games last night. We're also going to take a look at Liverpool's game against Sheffield United, who are playing tonight in the Premier League. We'll do it next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Instead of talking through all the games from yesterday's New Year's Day fixtures, I thought we'd do a bit of any other business. So if there's anything that we want to flag up in relation to yesterday's games, we can do that. Rather than talking about every game in turn and doing a full review, for example. So we've all picked something that we wanted to talk about from the games. You can go first, Dan. Uh, I want to shout Danny Ings for England. You saw him up against uh, uh, Harry Kane yesterday. Um talk about Harry Kane in a minute, but Danny Ings, uh, born in Winchester, dreamed of growing up and playing for Southampton, was rejected for being too small. Uh, After that terrible time he had at Liverpool, uh, last season he went out on loan and they made it permanent back in July last year. Um, Only Jamie Vardy scored more Premier League goals this season than Danny Ings. He's got 13, none of which are penalties, uh, which I think is important, especially when you compare him uh, to the likes of Harry Kane. Uh, he's got nine goals in his past nine Premier League starts. Since last season, only Aguero has got more Premier League goals against the big six uh, than Ings, who's got eight. And in the last three matches, helped by Danny Ings, Southampton have beaten Chelsea, Crystal Palace and Tottenham. They're at the minute, unbelievably, they're outperforming every London-based club on current form. Oh, and guess who they've got next at home in the Premier League? Liverpool. Yeah, his old club, Liverpool. Have they? <laughs> yeah. Um, now, he's got one cap for England under Roy Hodgson, uh, but he did get 13 caps and four goals for the under-21s. Who was in charge then? Southgate. Yeah. Was he? Gareth Southgate go. was in charge of him, gave him that. And if you haven't seen that goal he got yesterday, it was reminiscent of Gaza in 96 against Scotland. Right, so just to sum oh up, are you suggesting that Danny Ings is a better player than Harry Kane? 
He's saying he's better player than Gaza. <laughs> <laughs> right now. <laughs> Wait till he goes to Manchester United. <laughs> and, and he's easier to understand than both of them. Uh, no, I, I don't know. There's, there's something you, you can't deny Kane's record. Kane's record is very good, especially for, for England and penalties and all those things which have become so important. But I, there's something about Harry Kane, personally, I just don't like. And it's not because he's a Spurs player. Um, it's just something about the way that he plays. And there's something about Danny Ings, which I just really, I find really endearing. I mean, it, it's a quick way for Southgate to get his P45 if he decides to drop Harry Kane and bring in Danny Ings. But I kind of take your point that he is performing better than he has for many seasons, Danny Ings. It's the kind of form that got him to move to Liverpool in the first place. Yeah. But it's very early. It's a very short period of form to make calls like, he needs to be playing for England. Well, the people have been saying the same thing about Jamie Vardy going back as well. And, and it's been within that same period he's been knocking in the goals as well. Well, Jamie Vardy's done it consistently for three seasons now. Three, four seasons, hasn't he? Every season he yeah. scores serious has had a lot of, of injury problems as well, hasn't he? So. Yeah, he, he did both knees when he was at Liverpool. Oh, that's a tough one, that. Yeah, he's doing all right, isn't he? I'd, so what, what's this? All I you mean, can do he, is keep scoring. Yeah, the, the, there's an outside chance that he, he could make it. All right, there, there we go. go. That's Ant's AOB. I'll do mine very quickly because I think Pep Guardiola, I mean, there's an underrated manager, deserves a little bit of credit. In the last two seasons, he has played, City have played in a certain way, which has had massive success, obviously. And if you were Pep Guardiola and you've played two seasons where you've won two Premier League titles, you've scored 100 points in one season, you've gone on massive unbeaten runs in the other, you'd be tempted to go, well... This is working, I'm not changing anything. And we've all been there, we've been playing football manager where we've had a formation that's been working and suddenly it stops working. You're like, well, I'm not changing anything. It's been working consistently, I'm going to stick with it. But he's mixing up and he's changing things this season. And I wonder whether that is part of the erratic form we've seen from Manchester City this season is that he is making changes and he is trying different formations and he's playing three at the back and he's playing a double pivot and he's doing all these deep tactical things that I don't really understand but I hear people talking about and they sound very impressive so the fact he is mixing it up and the fact he is trying new things I think he deserves a little bit of credit for at the expense of maybe results but at the same time it makes me think that maybe the idea of Guardiola leaving City is a little bit premature like these people saying that and I have said this that he is likely going to be off in the summer I'm not sure he'd be putting that much effort into trying to find these new systems and new formations that worked if he was going to be leaving City in the near future. Unless that's him buying into the City long-term plan. Um, because five years before Guardiola came over to City, they started implementing Guardiola style in the development squad. Mm. And so, because they, they knew that was a long-term game that they were going to get Guardiola <coughs> over. He was always the aim to bring him in and to do that. And so maybe he's just part of that program and he's setting this up as a legacy I think what you've just said there as a City fan myself I find that quite exciting because it reminds me of his first season in charge and when he, when he came over remember there was a lot of um, criticism of him back then the style he was trying to play particularly with uh, Claudio Bravo there and uh, the amount of goals we were conceding and yet he positively refused to change the system mm. he was like this is the way we're going to do it and we're going to keep doing it and he made what was seen at the time as ridiculous, shocking decisions like ditching Joe Hart, uh, which has actually, unfortunately for Joe Hart's career, has, has proved to be the right thing when we've seen Joe Hart's performances where he's gone elsewhere. Um, I think what he did in that season in the culling and the bringing in and the, the training and the transformation set up the last two seasons mm. that we've had, which has been ridiculous as City fans. And whatever happens this season with Liverpool and, and the next season after that, it's been a wonderful time to to be a City fan and will forever be <coughs> grateful and loved. I, I think the thought that he's now taken it to the next level and mm. this is the in-between season, I don't know what that is, but I find that very exciting. And what, what's he going to do? Because we don't see those little patterns of play down the wing, those quick passing movements that got to the line and cut in and score goals. They don't seem to exist in City well, DNA the, I, anymore. I think the, he's had to do that because they, they, they've almost found a way to stop that. Mm. I think I think the the, the way he was... Uh, the, the way he was doing it the last two seasons, it was nobody had any answer for it. And then we've seen, and, and obviously there's been five defeats in the Premier League this season. So people have found a way around it. People have found an answer to it, uh, whether it's just flooding the boxes or, or waiting for those crosses to come in, pushing them out wide and just dealing with the crosses that they come in. 
uh, he, he's had to find something different. I mean, of course, there's an argument to say maybe he's just like being erratic when he's writing things down and accidentally putting midfielders in the defensive <laughs> positions. Uh, but maybe that's taking it back to that whole Barcelona ethic tippy-tappy of having people play in, in different positions. I think there might be a serious amount of personnel churn this summer as well. I think he's already laying the foundations for the likes of Aguero to leave. So I think we might see some big changes at Manchester City. But you've got to have some faith in Pep Guardiola, haven't you? He's done it everywhere else and he seems to do it consistently wherever he goes. Right, Marley, AOB, mm. what are you going for? Uh, does it have to be positive? No, of <laughs> co- course not. <laughs> Good, because I'm going to talk about Steve Bruce. Thought you might. <laughs> yeah. Um, just look, Everyone knows that it's there's a lot of games over Christmas and as as crap as it may be for everyone to struggle with the um the rotation and you know the injuries that pile up you've got to you know it's coming you know it's coming for a couple of months so plan for it better mm. we ended up um against Leicester yesterday losing four players through injury uh made three subs um by the first minute of the second half and five minutes into the second half, Fabian Schär goes down injured. And we end up finishing the game with 10 men. Like, I know it's hard to rotate everyone. But at the same time, you're playing three centre-backs. And you're relying on a guy in Florian Lejeune who has missed nearly two years with um, back-to-back knee ligament injuries. And you're trying to play him three times in 10 days. Mm. And it's just, it's never going to work. Even if he's fully fit that's that's such an ask because he's only came back into the team for five or six games and it was his mistake that cost them that first it, goal both it? he made two two mistakes for for Leicester's first two goals and it's I feel sorry for him because he's not he's not a bad player it's just he made a couple of mistakes and it's purely through tiredness and you look at Leicester City the opposition and you look at how they've handled the Christmas break yep. where they made nine changes against West Ham and Vardy was missing against Newcastle and, yep. and again yesterday as well yeah, yeah, against Newcastle. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he's, missed, he's missed two games. He now, missed the f- yeah. yeah the game when he uh, when he's missed his other baby. But that's how you handle the Christmas period. <coughs> you, you rotate. You make. You have your priorities and you work out where you can afford to drop players and you drop them. Yeah, in. that's 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 it. Um, we've you know, with the we're, we're well stocked for centre backs, but if you play in them all, then they're all going to get tired because mm. if you. All it took was like a, a formation change. If you go f- to a four-two-three-one, all of a sudden one centre back's getting a rest because you only play two centre backs out of three. So that that one guy could have been Lejeune. Mm. He would be the most obvious guy to to rest. I have to say, your your goalkeeper yesterday though was outstanding. He was amazing. Dubravka. Dubravka has been fantastic all season. I, and I think I think he's this season's Fabianski. In terms of we we talked at the start of the season about goalkeepers to play mm. in terms of your fantasy football, and I think he saved the most shots yes. of any other player in, in, in the Premier League. And you yeah. saw that performance yesterday, and and it was brilliant. Yeah. It was it was just he kept and, and it, he kept it respectable. When you, yeah, line. especially I mean, when you compare, this is the Leicester that went up against ten man Southampton away and stuck nine past them. Yeah, they went, but well, they played us earlier in the season, and we we lost to Isaac Hayden, um, and they beat us five 0 So. If you're playing a, a team when you're a man down, there's no, there's not many worse teams to play than Leicester because they're absolutely ruthless. Mm. Hammered Southampton, hammered us, hammered us again yesterday. Um, and I was fearing the worst when Shaw went off. Managed, luckily, we managed to did rely try, on Dubravka. Did, did, did I see this right? So Shaw's was it his hamstring went? Yeah. And they tried to strap it up and keep him on. Uh, because it looked like they they, they I'm tried not to sure. yeah because that would Don't, that I would be really worried about your medical team more than anything because nice. like it's not a cut or a bruise it's it's a hamstring <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the strapping is not going to save it depends it. what kind of level of injury it is if it is just a pull you can tape it up well he sat he sat down and started making the Took I need to come off, off thing yeah. yeah is there a little bit of a change for the way West, um, Newcastle fans are feeling about Steve Bruce because it felt when he came in no one wanted him much maligned. It felt like he turned that around a little bit until three games ago. And now this heavy fixture congestion, this reluctance to change formation is just showing a little bit of that naivety, maybe. Um, Lack of tactical nous, which you had in spades with uh, Rafa. To be honest, when we were 10th, I don't think if you'd asked the vast majority of Newcastle fans, I'd still think a lot of them would have said, I'm not really sure how we're 10th because we weren't playing. The way we play is 
pretty negative, but relies on it's it's a risky one because you you invite pressure mm. on on the basis that if we get it back, we're gonna hit you counter attacking very fast, and then we lose set maximal, and then that rate that um again due to poor management because he played too many games, um and his hamstring went, um he you lose that that uh, that threat because then you've you've only got Almer on. And it's harder to um, to do when when you're trying to counterattack through one man. Mm. Um, so, in terms of tactics, everyone knows that Steve Bruce has no tactics. Like he, he just doesn't have the tactical knowledge to pull anything out of the bag, kind of thing. So it's kind of if Plan A doesn't work, we get beat two two or three nil, and and that's it. Um, and when there's teams, I think that, that it seems like now the, in the Premier League, the team is the team that's at the bottom half of the table tend to be. Doing almost better than the teams at the top half. You've got Watford improving. Yeah. You've got Southampton picking up big wins. You've got West Ham with a new manager. Carlo Ancelotti, uh, Everton picking up wins. And everyone's getting better. So when you're 10th and everyone below you is getting better, all of a sudden it's not that good because you're not getting better and everyone below you is. So they're all about to overtake you. Couple of and weeks. And all of a sudden you're back in the, yeah. you're back in the mire. Right, let's move on and talk about Liverpool versus Sheffield United. It's tonight's Premier League fixture, late kickoff. Team news wise, <laughs> Shakiri is the only concern for Liverpool, or the only new concern for Liverpool, I should say. They've come through this Christmas schedule, playing the World Club Cup and all this kind of thing, relatively unscathed. They've managed that quite well. As for Sheffield United, the main concern, and it's a concern for fantasy football managers as well, is John Lundstrom may miss out from that game as well. Now, no one sees this game, Liverpool-Sheffield United, no one sane sees this game as a potential banana skin. No one thinks it's going to be the game where Liverpool slip up, apart from Matt McGinley, yep. who says <laughs> this is a definite win for Sheffield United. So first, so justify yourself, sir. First game of the new year, the last five seasons, Liverpool's record is 1-1, drawn 2, lost 2. Right. Right. The last game that they lost in the Premier League was the first game of the new year, 3rd of January, at the Etihad, the famous one where John Stones cleared the ball off the line uh, with the overhead kick. Um, they just don't seem to deal... I, I don't know what kind of party craziness that they do at Liverpool for New Year's, but that hangover... This is a different them. Liverpool side, though. This is a very different side to the one that was playing a year ago. 364 days, yeah. it will be without losing by the time they kick off against Sheffield United. Yeah, uh, uh, It's I, not going to happen. Also, Sheffield United haven't lost two games back-to-back this season. Mm. Uh, whenever they have lost, which hasn't been often, uh, they, they've come back and got a good result. We also saw them, let's be honest... The, the game earlier in the season at Bramall Lane, Sheffield United were amazing and were unlucky not to get something out of the game, but for a goalkeeping mistake, he failed to handle the shot. Was it Ronaldo, I think, on the 70th minute and Dean Henderson sadly let it slip it through was, into yeah, the Yeah, mistake from Dean Henderson. Yeah. But it's very different playing Sheffield United at Sheffield United than playing Sheffield United at Anfield. I don't mm. think Liverpool will lose this one. Um, I think it'll be a tough challenge, Marley, but I don't think they're going to lose it. I don't think they're going to lose it. Um... Yeah, Sheffield United—they're a good team, but you, you saw in the City game they're just not quite good enough to to halt the very best. Mm. Um, and you know, who is who is good enough to beat Liverpool this year? They've been they've been bad and won when they when they've been bad they've still won. When they've been good, the teams can't get near them. Um, I just don't see Sheffield United having enough um, unless they bring on Ravel Morrison. <laughs> who is my new best mate <laughs> Ravel Morrison instantly now follows Marley on Twitter after Marley defended him in our worst team of the decade podcast which came yeah. out yesterday so you want to go back and listen to that and listen to everyone else slagging off Ravel Morrison apart from Marley <laughs> who defended him to the hilt you can go and check out can I just podcast. point out as well if Chris Wilder's listening I was the one guy that said Sheffield United <laughs> would finish in the top half this season do you think Liverpool can I mean I'm going to stop asking whether they can win the league because I I think it's done. I pretty th- much. I think they might be able to. I think the only the only reason that Liverpool aren't saying they have won the league is because the most dangerous thing they can do is believe they've won the league and kind of take <laughs> their foot off the gas. Yeah. The question for me is, can they be the next Invincibles? Because I never thought we'd see a team after Arsenal that would go an entire season unbeaten. They're fifty percent of the way there now. Yeah, I mean it's ridiculous the record that they've got. I mean, so they have also <laughs> as well. When you look at across the year, they've won their last seventeen home games. Mm. Um, it's 50 games since they lost at Anfield. Uh, by, by the way, uh, th- things that go uh, against Sheffield United winning, the last time Sheffield United won 
at Anfield was 1994. Wow. Um, also, Liverpool are on for... Uh, five games in a row with a clean sheet. It's the first time they've done that since the start of the 2007-2008 season. And Robbie Firmino's on fire as well. So it's all looking very good. I, I think there you're is... still back in a Sheffield United win. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the, 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 I, I, think, I think basically this week will determine it. Because, because what's going to happen is you've got this, this game against uh, Sheffield United, which is, are they, I mean, it seems like a ridiculous thing, but you're starting the new year. Are they going to carry on... 2020, the way they finished 2000, the way they played 2019. I think, uh, as as arbitrary as it is, having that thing to say it's been a whole year since we've been beaten is like another trophy in itself. Mm. And the way moving forward in terms of confidence, having that those that so many wins in a row at Anfield as well just enforces that fortress mentality. Uh, and then of course they've got that big FA Cup. Uh, game with the new man in charge, Angelotti, at the weekend. So I think the next few days for Liverpool, I, you know, they come through this with two wins. The people that are saying now it's still mathematically possible, I think they'll they'll sign up to Team Liverpool and book book their tickets for the bus tour. Instantly, I really enjoyed Chris Wilder's comments before this match. Clearly, he's not that happy about Aguero's first goal when they played Manchester City <laughs> because he said his quote from him was. Hopefully the referee doesn't tackle our midfield player and let their players go on to score. <laughs> Talking about the Liverpool game. So the referee never actually touched it. He just no. body checked the player. <laughs> if, he, if, he had, if he had touched it, it would have uh, been a drop ball by the rules of the game. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Just a player tripping up another player. Apparently that's allowed. That's all right. <laughs> but we're going to wrap up with a couple of transfer rumours. Transfer window opens today. It's silly season, so there's a load of silly rumours doing the rounds. First off, Barcelona defender Samuel Umtiti. Umtiti, is that how you say it? Umtiti? Yeah, Umtiti. that'll do. One of my classic pronunciations. He posted a picture of the Emirates Stadium. He was at Arsenal versus Manchester United after they won. Now everyone is convinced that he's going to be joining... Arsenal from Barcelona, which would be for Arsenal a brilliant signing if it happened, wouldn't it? That'd be That's amazing. Exactly the kind of player that Arsenal need. Yeah, if he's uh, if he stays injury free, he's top top defender. Uh, I think he's 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 had. Uh, I think it's a knee injury this year and that's affected him and he's lost his place in the Barcelona team but if you can spend 50 or 60 million quid and get him in there's no team in, this, in the league that needs a centre-back more than uh, Arsenal Yeah, so, I mean, I'd agree with you on that the only thing I'd just say is uh, a little bit of caution the last couple of big defensive players that came to the Premier League from Barcelona were Mary Yina at Mina, sorry, that's not done that well, and Claudio Bravo at Man City in goal as well. So it doesn't necessarily guarantee that. <laughs> Although having said that, there have been links between Umtiti and Manchester City. Although Pep Guardiola is doing... It rhymes. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Umtiti to City. Uh, Pep Guardiola said... Hang on, that rhymes with Coventry City as well. <laughs> oh, <he's> not... <laughs> Norwich City! <laughs> My name is Umtiti. <laughs> you can already print half the T-shirts and then just decide what the rest of it goes on. Uh, Pep Guardiola said he's not going to sign anyone. He said again about four days ago in a press conference. Uh, con- <coughs> yeah, conclusively, he's not going to sign anyone. Klopp has come out and said he's not going to sign anyone. Uh, I think Mourinho definitely will sign people if he gets the chance. Uh, but I think what we're more likely to see is people getting rid of people. I think Ancelotti definitely will get a lot rid of a few people at Everton mm. this quickly already. And also at United as well, I think that's going to happen. Mm. One of the other rumours doing the rounds concerns Daniel Sturridge. Apparently there's a few clubs that are interested in bringing in Daniel Sturridge. I assume with the rhyming thing, one of them's Cambridge. <laughs> uh, Aston Villa are apparently interested. Wesley injured at the weekend. He's going to be out for a little while, so they're going to need a striking option. Daniel Sturridge, he's playing in Turkey at the moment. Six starts, four goals. I mean, it's a cheaper option, but surely Daniel Sturridge's time. People know what they get with Daniel Daniel Sturridge, and it's a healthy medical bill. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's difficult to see it happening, but at the same time, Aston Villa aren't going to want to go and drop 30, 40 million quid on another striker because they've already spent 110 million quid and it looks like they're going to get relegated. Yeah, and, and the sad thing for them is that they, they spent a lot of money on Wesley. He started off brilliantly. He seemed to have like just got his confidence back in the last couple of weeks. He got a couple of goals in the uh, uh, the game against Liverpool in the Carabao Cup. Then he scored again uh, uh, the other day and then got injured almost instantly afterwards. Yeah. Uh, which is sad that. for the lad, yeah. But, yeah, he's... Um... It it makes sense, doesn't it? He's a, he's a Birmingham lad, um, Sturridge. He's played for West Brom. How well would it go down at Villa? Um, 
I don't know, you've got to err, err on the side of caution with that, haven't you? You can't ignore that that injury history. No. Um, the fact he there's has still not a done it, he's, he's played one good season. One season where Sturridge fulfilled his what? potential when he played for <laughs> Liverpool when he had Suarez alongside him, and that's it. That yeah. is the only Did, time he's done he, it. He has a lot of experience. I mean, he, he when he started at City, when he first came to the Premier League, he was leading the line at 18, I think, due to injuries that were in the City squad. And he, he, he did all right back then. Yeah. He, he then took an early move to Chelsea because City wouldn't match his wages. He didn't really... Um, he was kind of kept out of the team there as well. So I think possibly unlucky in that we missed his best years would have been when he was at Chelsea, but he wasn't getting the start time. Then those injuries... Uh, the West Brom move when he went on loan from Liverpool that was seen as potential, but for most of that he was injured as well. Yeah. I think so. He got injured four minutes into his debut and wasn't seen again for about three months of his six month uh, loan spell there. So if Villa can get him on loan as a nominal loan fee and maybe fifty percent of the wages, you go yeah, go for it, take the chance. You need to score goals, so why not? But yeah, but not why, why would investment. why would his club let him go if he's scoring four goals in six starts? You, you tend to go to Turkey when you when you're done. Mm. You don't you don't necessarily tend to come back. I don't know how many games the Turkish league have played this season, but the fact he's only made six starts exactly would Tells suggest he's been it? struggling a little bit with injuries this it's, season. I think it's on the well. same same time as us, same time period, so September, well, maybe August, a th- till maybe played a third of the games or something along those lines. Yeah. Right. Let's leave it there. There'll be more transfer gossip on this podcast as we go through the next month. Some of it will be more believable than others. Uh, thank you very much, Marley. Thank you very much, Ant. Thank you. Thank we'll you. see you next time. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and we'll get you the next one as soon as it's ready. This has been Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. I love my club. Every match, the manager, every player who's pulled on the shirt. Don't just talk to me about football. Talk to me about my one and only. I love my club, but I don't love them up the road. Listen to daily smart speaker updates for your Premier League team and your team only. With Sports Social, get closer to the club you love. Ignore the ones you don't. Just say, Alexa, enable Sports Social and choose your team. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.